Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I am joined by Melody Warnick. She's here to talk about her new book, If You Could Live Anywhere, The Surprising Importance of Place in a Work from Anywhere World. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you can live anywhere. Where are you right now? So I live in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is a college town of about 40,000 in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Southwest Virginia. And it's home to Virginia Tech, which is Mm. why we ended up living here. My (laughs) husband got a job about 10 years ago. Nice. So this book is aimed at people that you name anywhereists. How would you define what that is? So an anywhereist is someone who has some choice about where they live. I think the classic example that would leap to anyone's mind is remote workers. You know, we've seen a massive increase in remote workers over the years of the pandemic and honestly, even before that. But I think most of us have anywhereist moments in our lives, which are just kind of like these these moments of choice where we are either considering a new job or we're considering a new location. There's some evidence that, you know, for instance, a college student graduating from college, they are more likely to choose where they want to live before they actually find a job. So Mm. I think that and anywheres can be all of us at some moments in our lives, you know, retirees, entrepreneurs, but honestly, anyone in a job where they can make a choice about where to live. Well, and your book largely focuses on the importance of that choice, the choice of where to live and how to determine where that place actually is if you're seeking something new. But before we uh, journey about, I thought we should get into um, or at least address those listeners who are listening who are in a position to not be able to go anywhere (laughs) (laughs) right now. What are the best ways to make the most of somewhere if you're currently stuck there or you've chosen to be there forever? It's a great question. And I wrote a whole other book about it. So my first book is called This Is Where You Belong. And it was based on me being in that exact situation. My husband had gotten this job at Virginia Tech and we moved to Blacksburg and I wanted it to just change my life for the better. And this new town was going to heal me in all the important ways. And instead, I realized very shortly that I did not like it um, and that I was stuck here for the time being. And so I became really interested in why certain places sometimes feel like home a little easier, but also what people can do to make any town feel more like home, how people can put down roots and fall in love with where they live. So there's this concept called place attachment, which is basically the sciencey term for that feeling of being rooted and at home in a place. And I became determined to create that for myself <laughs> very intentionally in Blacksburg. So research points to behaviors that we can do in our places that help us feel more at home and more rooted there. And they're mostly simple things like getting to know your neighbors or volunteering Um, There's evidence that if you walk more and ride your bike more, (laughs) that you feel more of a sense of ownership and familiarity with your place. So 
even if you are one of those people who have no hope of moving anytime soon, and there's data that says about a third of Americans are kind of in that position of, I don't really like where I live and I'm I'm pondering moving, but not everyone can just pick up and go at any given moment. There is hope, you know, there are things that you can do for yourself to make it feel a little more like home. Which one did you find was the most helpful for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say to always leap to mind first walking, because that is literally my only form of exercise. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, I'm just a person who likes to walk a lot. And I found that that was a way to move through my new community at a very human pace that allowed me to discover it and make connections with it, whether that was kind of you know, passing neighbors on the street and saying hello, or just sort of becoming familiar in a way that now I know the shortcut, or I know that there's a cool hiking trail over here. So that ended up being really important for me to feeling at home in Blacksburg. The other thing that I would say has been big for me is volunteering. There's just tons of evidence that volunteering is just amazing for you in all the ways, you know, just great for your health, great for your mental health. And so I started volunteering at the local nonprofit movie theater, a, a historic theater called The Lyric. And I was just like working concessions, popping popcorn. And there is something really powerful about feeling like you're contributing to your community. The movie theater was a place where you're constantly getting new faces coming in. So hmm. you'd sort of feel like you were developing these loose ties with people. I used to sort of be a sporadic volunteer. And during the pandemic, my uh, teenage daughter and I got on the Monday shift. And so we work every Monday night at the Lyric and we have developed a little community with the other volunteers that night. And it's just been really awesome for feeling like I know what's going on in my town and I'm seeing people and I'm making something cool happen here. I love that. And I'll restate the name of that book in case everyone wants to pick that one up, but we'll jump <laughs> into the new one. Okay. So hypothetically, we can choose anywhere and the place is very important. Now, how to choose the right place is the real question. You say in the book that thinking about it, we need a location strategy. What is that? And what are some steps to take to come up with a location strategy? So the idea of a location strategy is it's kind of stolen from business, right? Like, you know, the example of Starbucks. When a Starbucks ends up in the corner of your street, did not end up there by accident. You know, a lot of planning went into that and a lot of research about where the company wants a Starbucks and where they know from data Starbucks is going to thrive, you know, down to what side of the street they're going to put it on that's, you know, accessible to more cars on the morning commute and that sort of thing. And so I think people need to develop location strategies for themselves. We need to think really hard about what matters to us and what kind of place we want to live in. And so I have some exercises in the book that are all about getting to know that for yourself, starting with, do I need to move? You know, just because you are one of those anywhereists who all of a sudden your job is remote and you can live anywhere, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pick up 
and leave the place you are. Having been in your community for even a short amount of time, you start to develop ties and social capital and other things that benefit you. There's certainly a benefit to just putting down roots in the community that you're in. But if you're not happy where you are or you have some dream location or maybe you're just really enticed by the the possibilities, right? You know, the the idea that there's 10,000 communities around the world and maybe you could end up in one of them. It sort of behooves you to really think about what kind of place will help me thrive. I like to think of it in terms of values. What values are important to you to live out in your community? What do you want your community to do for you, um, to support you in? It is a ton of work <laughs> to, to find a place and there aren't really shortcuts to figuring it out. It's a lot of self-analysis and then trying to find a place that might help you, that might match what you're looking for. But I think it's worth the effort. You only get so many chances to do it and you want to do it right. Yeah. You outline three different types of anywhereists. And I think it's easy to just think you hear the term anywhereist or even uh, digital nomads, a very common one. And you think that, that we're talking about people who are roaming about the earth. When really, you, as you point out in the book, you could be a dentist and decide, I don't want to be a dentist in Seattle. I want to be a dentist in New Brunswick. <laughs> I don't know. But you do have three types that you point out, the wanderers, the seekers, and the settlers. What is the difference as you see it in those three approaches? Well, so I kind of have like little catchphrases <laughs> that I I think match these different personality types. So the wanderers are, they are the digital nomads, you know, the people who are driven by a sense of adventure or a sense of exploration. For them, being a remote worker or having a job that isn't tied to a particular place is all about freedom. So I say, you know, their motto is there's a big world out there and I want to see it. Seekers are the people who have that pivot point, that moment of making a decision about where to live, and they want to take it really seriously. They're looking for the right place for themselves. The motto for them is the right place is out there and I'm going to find it. And then the settlers are kind of the the culmination of this. You know, these are people who have found their place. You know, maybe they have been really mobile in the past or really transient. Maybe they've been nomads or adventures. But eventually, I think most of us get to a point where we feel like we want to put down roots, perhaps not forever, but at least for a time. And so their motto is this is the place, you know, I, I have found the place. So I think we all take different approaches to place. And so it's really hard to be prescriptive because there are people who think that New York City is the place, you know, I would never want to live in any place that wasn't a vibrant city. And then there are rural residents who think New York is the devil and, you know, they can't imagine living somewhere like that. So it's important to know yourself and what stage you're at in your life, whether you're a seeker or a wanderer or a settler and figure out what is right for you right now, because it may not stay the same throughout your life. It probably won't. 
One of the things I loved that you did in this book was that you broke up many of your chapters by a location strategy value, which basically I, I wrote down what values you explored. It basically is like how you center the chapter. So if you can recognize in yourself which one of these is your main motivating factor, there's a chapter for you. So you did recognition, wealth, entrepreneurship, connection, creativity, exploration, learning, purpose, and happiness. In reading all those, I, I feel like several of the chapters hit my buttons. <laughs> um, uh, but I was curious, which one of those categories do you think would drive your decision? Like if you and your husband were going to move in the next year and you got to pick, which one do you center yourself on? What a great question. I love that. So, you know, I think of all those things as sort of working in tandem, one of the purposes of if you could live anywhere was to sort of point out the way that our places are trying to, they're, they're trying to help us. There's this whole world of economic developers who are trying to attract and retain talent. And we are the talent that they're trying to attract and retain. So they're offering these services to kind of attract us to places and make us want to stay so hopefully you don't have to choose just one. But if I did choose just one, I think it would be connection. In all the the work that I've looked at around place and place attachment, it really comes back to those feelings of community and connection. Often I talk about finding the right place, but I really mean finding the right community and community is people. So the people I think who end up happiest in their place are the ones who find their people in, in the place that they've gone to. And that can be hard to tell as a mover, as someone who's choosing a place from afar. I think we can kind of get inklings of that when we visit a place or spend a little time there. Like, ooh, I think... <laughs> these might be people that I could be friends with. You know, every place sort of has a personality. And when we find a community where it feels like people are a little like us, or we might find friends here, I, I think that gives us a huge boost. But what I've found is that you can love everything about a community. It's beautiful and they have great restaurants and the schools are great. But if you don't develop that that community of friends and neighbors, it's really hard to feel attached there and really hard to want to stay. Yeah, you do address how loneliness can come into play during this process, even after you've moved. We kind of touched on it, I guess, because the idea of volunteering or getting out, but do you have ideas about how to deal with that very real loneliness that can happen when you first make a move or when you're sort of starting to realize that you need to make a move or do something differently? Yeah. Oh man, it is really rough. And I almost think that unless you are boomeranging to your hometown or someplace that you've lived before, you are gonna be lonely <laughs> for a little bit. And it's almost like you kind of have to accept it, um, that that will probably be a byproduct of moving at least temporarily. But you can become really intentional about trying to create that community for yourself. I do a little place coaching, which means that, you know, sometimes I, I do coaching with people who are trying to make these decisions. And I spoke recently with a woman who was trying to decide among three or four different communities. And one was she had lived in a city in California where she had this 
great community of friends, but cost of living and other factors made it a place where she couldn't really see herself living long term. But the other places that she chose were, you know, places where she had been on vacations or trips and she would just strike up conversations in in the coffee shop. She's waiting in line for coffee and she's just really friendly and she would end up like having coffee with someone or going on a hike with someone. If you are that person, good for you. That is amazing and an amazing way to meet people. I think probably most of us aren't. And so we have to be really thoughtful about what in this town is going to be an entry point for me to to make friends. I wrote in my first book that dogs and kids are great icebreakers, you know, go to the dog park or get involved in the PTO or whatever, take your kids to the park. A little easier to strike up conversations, harder when you're single or you're an empty nester. So that's when intentional community seeking, like I said, volunteering, but it could also be finding a church or, you know, joining a meetup, joining the Rotary Club. How retro would that be? <laughs> but, you know, like if you're new in a place, just having those existing community organizations that can help you develop relationships is really helpful. Hmm. I also think that here's a place to use the internet. If you put it out on Facebook, hey, I'm moving to Nashville. Who do you know in Nashville? Set me up on a blind friend date. You're going to get takers, you know, mm -hmm. like you will be connected and instantly have a small group of friends that can help you brave that period of loneliness till you kind of get your sea legs in a town. Yeah. I mean, another challenge that you point out is I think a challenge that people have in lots of different avenues of their life, but it does sometimes feel when you're making consideration about where in the world to move, that there can be unlimited choices, <laughs> that there's a gazillion cities that I could investigate or small towns. There's towns I probably haven't even heard of, you know, what do you do about that? this idea of that you could really be anywhere. And so anywhere can be a huge daunting prospect. Right. It's so paralyzing, you know, like I think that is the thing that a lot of anywheres are facing right now. You know, if you're one of those people who your work has always been tied to a particular city and you're living there because that's where your job is, which has been most humans for the past hundred years, at least, and all of a sudden someone says, we just cut that cord and you are now floating free and you can go anywhere. That's an amazing freedom to have, but also terrifying, right? Like it is walking into the grocery store with unlimited choices on the cereal aisle. And if you really start examining all of them, you will be there for the rest of your life. So I think one thing that I tell people is to get clear on just a handful of qualities that you're looking for in a place. And that can be some of the big things like, do I prefer a big city or do I feel more like a small town person or someone in between? And then finding a few of the things that feel really key to your happiness in a community a lot of research shows that when people are considering moving now, they're really looking at two things. First, they're looking at cost of living. And I think that has become 
increasingly important. We've seen the real estate market just go berserk and obviously inflation, people are really feeling the pinch. And so I think a lot of people who are thinking about moving are thinking about where can I go that might give me a little relief in that area. So if that is one of your qualifications, that just immediately limited the pool. You are only looking at places that are less expensive than where you are now. But the second thing that a lot of people look at is just quality of life. And that is a really sort of nebulous term. But I like to think of it as just having access to the things that make you happy in your daily life. So for me, that might be sidewalks because I like to walk. And for you, it might be great coffee shops, or maybe you love to ski and you want to be within an hour of a ski mountain or a beach or whatever. So if you can identify just four or five things like that, that can sort of narrow the field a little bit for you. But it is a daunting prospect. And I'm a person who loves to do research. So the idea of like making these lists and, you know, figuring out which towns fit the bill is really appealing to me. But I can imagine that for some people, that's just horrifying and and awful. (laughs) There is some legwork that has to go into it. One of the women that I write about in my book made a sort of whimsical split second decision. She was traveling through Iowa with her husband and they drove through this adorable small town and they just said, let's move to Iowa. So they did, they bought a house and having not really done any legwork about it, just like thinking this looks like a cute town and it's affordable and we'll go. And pretty quickly they realized it was not a great fit for them. And so she completely developed a different location strategy for thinking about the next move and just became, they drilled down so hard. You know, her husband had a bad experience with a tornado (laughs) earlier in his life. So any place that had tornadoes was off the list. They wanted places where marijuana was legal. And that, you know, that meant just a handful of states. And eventually, just by kind of getting really clear on what were the things that made life happy for them, you know, access to coffee shops and yarn shops and art and things like that, they settled on Eugene, Oregon. And that was kind of their dream place. And they visited, confirmed that the vibe felt right. So thinking about ourselves and really getting to know what we think would make life happy for us can help narrow that enormous field and give us a better shot of landing somewhere great. Yeah, you do say that this process can be some real emotional labor. Yeah. And and you wouldn't think so, because when you think, oh, I can dream big, you know, you don't think that this could be something where you really have to like look deeply. But what have you found? For myself or just in 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 both, for yourself and in the research? So this is a question that I always love to ask myself, you know, whenever I'm on any sort of trip, you know, it's always like, oh my gosh, could I live there? Oh, what would my life be like if I lived there? You know, I'm like always questioning this. Um, But I am currently a settler. My husband and I have been in this town for 10 years and we genuinely love it here. But we I think we're thoughtful about what makes us love it. We live in a college town and I'm just partial to college towns. I think they offer a lot of really cool amenities, even in smaller communities. 
We love that our town is, it's about 40,000 people. So it's not tiny, tiny, but it's not huge either. It feels a manageable size. It's walkable. And I think, you know, our daughter is in high school and she has told us that in no uncertain terms are we allowed to move while she is still in high school. So, um, (laughs) you know, we are going to be here for at least a few more years. And I think probably once she's graduated, we will have that anywhereist moment of, are we going to stay or are we going to go? And if we decide to go, I think we'll be looking to replicate some of those same qualities that we've loved in our current town and maybe find a few things that we don't have here, like being a little closer to family. But I think in general, as people go through this process, it can be as individual as they are, you know, people who leave big cities because they want to get closer to nature or people who leave cities because they want to be somewhere more affordable or people who want to be closer to family or friends or closer to activities that they love, like rock climbing or rafting or things like that. It is a very sort of quirky, iconoclastic process that we go through deciding what matters to us. You know, I think if I could give people who are in this process some advice, I would say think really hard about how close you want to be to family and, you know, maybe an existing group of friends. For some people, it's like a no-brainer. We do not want to live near, <laughs> you know, near our parents or people kind of have like a, a radius. I don't want to be in the same town, but maybe I want to be in driving distance or I want to be a couple hours away. That can be a good starting point because research has shown that we're more likely to want to stay in a community and put down roots there if we're within an hour of family members. So if you are in that position where the sky's the limit and you could live anywhere, look at your siblings, look at your parents. Do you want to live close to them? Maybe not. Everyone's family dynamics are a little different, but it can kind of be a good place to start the process. Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from you, our treasured listeners. You who loves the show so much that you help us pay the bills. You who help keep the lights of this show on. I want to thank those of you who have already pitched in and kept this show going this long. And if you haven't yet, but you'd like to, there are links to support it in the show notes or visit thebittersweetlife.net. And if you donate, watch your mailbox. We're going to send you a handwritten thank you note and a few gifts from us. Particularly special, if you donate $5 or more during the month of September 2022, we're going to put your name in a hat to possibly win the most beautiful cloth-bound edition of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. In the front is a special note written from Tiffany and me to you, and hidden somewhere inside, Tiffany has underlined her very favorite line in the entire story. That'll go to one lucky listener who donates $5 or more during the month of September. So don't delay. Back to the show. Well, I thought it'd be fun to end um, just in case people wanted to do one of you have several exercises in here, but you have one at the very end that I thought we could propose that if you're interested in this kind of thing, you could do fairly easily today to get started. You give an example of 
making yourself a grid. And along the top of the grid, you write 10 things that you must have in wherever you live. And then on, down the side, you put 10 potential cities or more that might be of interest to you, that you've either heard about or been to that intrigue you in some way. So let's say we've done that. What do we do now? <laughs> so, so then it's, so say the cities down the side of your chart are LA and Fort Collins and Bozeman, Montana, or, you know, just places that you've been, Rome and London, places that you maybe have fantasized about moving, you know, places that you want to kind of look into a little deeper. And then, for instance, maybe one of the things that's really important to you is to have access to a world-class food scene. And also, you really love to spend time hiking. So you want to have access to the outdoors. Then it's just a matter of doing a little research and, you know, can you check the box for this city? Does Bozeman have great access to the outdoors? Yes. So mm -hmm. you get a check mark in that column. Does Bozeman have a world-class food scene? Questionable, you know? Um, and this is the part where you just kind of have to do a little research. There's a lot of resources that can help you find out things like does this town have great schools or is this a, a place where I'd have access to a hospital, things like that. Reddit is great for that. Google, you know, point you in the right direction most of the time. And then just see, will I find the things that I'm looking for in the towns that I'm considering? And you get to the end of the list and you see who has the most check marks? And maybe that's your number one town. Or it might be that thing where you flip a coin to make a decision. And as soon as the coin lands, you're like, oh, I actually wanted the other one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there is something that is not quite purely logical about choosing a place. It is an emotional process. And we we can do all the research. And sometimes the research doesn't add up to just what our heart is drawn to. And I think that's okay too. Sometimes our our soul wants to end up in a place, not forever, but for a while. And we should listen to that and respect it. And we can experience places that may be slightly unexpected too. So I think a location strategy, making the list, making the charts is really wise but I also think if you have a place that calls you for whatever reason and you're not quite sure why, that's okay. That is the beauty of being an anywhereist is you can you can live in that place for for however long you want to because you get to make those choices. Yeah, and one thing I loved is that after that part where you propose the grid and how to narrow it down, the next header of the next section is titled, You Can Make a Mistake. <laughs> uh, which I love the juxtaposition of that. But why do you think that's important for people to know? I think people feel a lot of stress about these decisions. They're expensive decisions. They're time-consuming decisions. As people think about buying real estate and settling into a place, it's a huge investment of money and time and emotional effort. So the thought of going through this process and landing in a place that turns out to not be a great fit for you is really terrifying. People want to 
make a choice that takes them to the place of their dreams where they're going to live happily ever after. But I think it's important to remember that no place is perfect. Even, you know, a town that you really love and provides all those things that you've been looking for, there's definitely going to be things you hate about it and things that are really annoying. And you're going to encounter people that make you think, oh my gosh, why did I end up here? And, you know, that's where I'd say use the tools of this is where you belong to find strategies for developing place attachment, even in a place that's imperfect. But I think also, you know, allowing yourself to visualize maybe living here for a time, but not forever, takes some of the the pain out of that process that even if that means I'm going to rent for a while, or I'm going to just get an Airbnb and stay here for a month and check it out and see see how it's working for me before I make that final decision. But at the end of the day, you aren't stuck. You can make that choice again if it turned out to be a horrible decision. Research shows that it takes about five years after a move for place attachment to peak. So this is not something that is just going to all come together magically all at once. It's going to take a hot minute. And you also need to allow yourself the time for that to happen. If you cut bait too soon because you feel like this isn't working for you, you may miss the actual you know, magical experience that you could have had. Hmm. Well, I'm excited to say that we are going to be giving away two copies of your book to our hey. listeners. <laughs> and I thought a fun way to do it. I was thinking, how could we enter people into winning a copy of the book? And I thought it would be really interesting to hear some of your stories as a follow-up show about this, um, whether it is that you've lived in the same place your whole life and why you chose to do that, or if you're in the process of thinking should I be moving right now? I'd love to hear that. And I guess also if you were, you know, you did make a big decision like this at some point, what was the process that you did? I'd love to hear some of your stories. You can send them to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. And I will just collect them all and throw all the names in the hat. We have an actual top hat, my grandfather's, <laughs> my grandfather's wedding top hat. Throw all the names in the top hat, and then we'll, Tiffany and I will draw two of you to win this book for free. So it might be especially good for those of you who are in the process of trying to think about where to go next. But please do send in your stories, and we'll do a follow-up show where we save them. And as always, you can type out your story, or you can send us a voice memo with your own voice, because we love hearing your voices. Just tell us where you are and uh, a bit about your story. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been so fun to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. I loved talking to you, Katie. I really appreciate it. That's Melody Warnick. She's an award-winning writer and the author of two books. The first one was This Is Where You Belong, Finding Home Wherever You Are, and her new book, the one that we're giving away, If You Could Live Anywhere, The Surprising Importance of Place in a Work from Anywhere World. Thank you so much. And until next Thank time, you. this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Talk to you soon. Bye.